God forever. Hallelujah. Let's stand to our feet and let's give the prophet of our house, our friend, Reverend Tim Bagwell, a good round of applause. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Let's give the Lord a good praise offering tonight. All right, come on. Stir it up just a little bit. Praise the name of the Lord. How many are ready for more? Amen. I have preached the gospel for 45 years, full time. And uh, that was one of the most unique introductions that I have had in 45 years of ministry. And there's always a first for me at Only Believe. How many love your pastors? Amen. You can be seated. Uh, you can order this on CD. Most, most people always want DVDs. And you can listen to it as well as you can a CD. You don't even have to watch it. I don't know. I guess pastor's just technologically challenged. I, <laughs> but uh, I'm preaching uh, last night. Last night I preached the problem is not uh, asking for more, it's settling for less. Did anybody get anything out of that word last night? Tonight, I'm going to talk about more, an overflow that's produced from the hard places, the difficult times. And then tomorrow night, I want to preach to you about the commanded blessing, the commanded blessing. And uh, let me say this about tomorrow night. Um, there's something about what God has already spoken to you that is an absolute key to unlocking financial miracles, an absolute key to unlocking the overflow that God wants to activate in your life. Some of you are looking for a new word or another word and sometimes you might say we need to rewind the tape and remember what God has already said. And uh, I'm going to say this one thing about tomorrow night. How many have uh, heard the scripture or read the scripture where he said to Abraham, in blessing, I will bless thee. Okay, I'm just going to give you a little preview of what God's getting ready to get you into tomorrow night. I have preached that for years and it's a powerful scripture and I've always just told people this, no matter how blessed you are in the blessing, God will bless you. And I believe that with all my heart. But how many remember and understand that in scripture, fathers would release a birthright and a blessing. Now, I began to pray about this and I was, uh, I was in this scripture and the Lord began to deal with me about uh, Jacob and Esau and how Esau lost the birthright and the blessing. And the Lord began to speak to my spirit. I, he said, well, what's the birthright? So I said, well, the birthright has to do with financial things and the flocks and the herds, et cetera, et cetera. 
He said, but what's the blessing? And, and I had to dig into it and I, and I just stopped and stepped back on it a little bit. I said, well, that's the prophetic declaration about that child's future. And man, that thing hit me. And I'm going to really get into this tomorrow night. said, in blessing, I will bless you. And I, I'm just, I'm getting you dialed into this because what he was saying in that, that in what I have declared over you is the blessing. And a lot of you have got to, tomorrow night, I want you to, between tonight and tomorrow night, I want you really to think about where do you want to see more in your life? And I'm going to show you some things about a commanded blessing. I'm going to show you some things about in the blessing is the blessing. In the God said is the blessing. Some of you are like, how's God going to financially overflow me? How's God going to do this? How's God going to do that? God has already spoken to you who you are. Remember how Jacob prophesied over Joseph and last night we got into it and uh, Joseph, he declared, you are a fruitful vine. You're a fruitful vine. Well, then Ephraim and Manasseh carried that spiritual DNA generations later and said, this is not enough. We need more. And the problem is not us believing for more. The problem is us settling for less. But in the blessing is the blessing. Oh, that's good stuff. That's good stuff. And when you get this, some of you are going, you're going to need to go back and say, okay, what has God said to me? Who am I according to prophetic declaration? Who am I according to the dreams and the visions God has given me? What has God said to me about my identity? What has God said to me about my future? And in that prophetic blessing is the blessing. And then I'm going to talk to you about commanded blessing and how God, when he brings a commanded blessing over your life, he loses a triple blessing on you. There's going to be some things hit this house tomorrow night that you're never going to be the same. I want you to come tomorrow night. I, I don't, you don't need to come with a whole list of 500 things. If you could come here with one thing, you want to see God create more in your life, I'm happy. Because I want one thing that you're focused on in the spirit, that you're going to believe God over the next 150 plus days of the remainder of this year, that you're going to believe God that this is where I'm going to receive more. How many believe God can bring some breakthroughs in this place tomorrow? I'm going to pray with you, lay hands on you, believe God. Now, I'm hitting three parts in this series that really was a... a there were seven, eight prophetic things that God spoke to me at the end of last year for our church in the first of 2017. And this is a 10-disc set. It's $20, and there's so much good stuff in this, but I'm only hitting really three parts of it, really, if, if I'm really hitting that. 
And I, I just want to challenge you to get this. There's nothing else out there. There's no books. There's no magazines this time. There's nothing else. There's just this. Because I just want, if you could, if everybody here could get this whole series, I believe it's going to activate faith in you to move mountains in the balance of this year. Is everybody happy? Uh, if, if you are, give the Lord one more good praise. <laughs> Hallelujah. Uh, there's some aspects of what I'm preaching tonight and tomorrow night that I think could be a couple of the most important messages that I have preached to you in the 32 years that I have preached here. And, uh, and I believe tonight's word is going to be one of those that's going to penetrate deep into your spirit. And I believe God's going to help you to see a turnaround in this year of 2017 in a lot of ways. I'd like you to stand in honor to the reading of the word. Now I want you to go to Matthew, the 14th chapter. I'm going to read about six or seven verses beginning with the 15th verse. Matthew, the 14th chapter and the 15th verse. Very familiar portion of scripture, but we're going to start there tonight. When it was evening... Matthew chapter 14, verse 15. And when it was evening, his disciples came to him saying, this is a desert place. Just read that line with me. This is a desert place. And the time is now past. Send the multitude away that they may go into the villages to buy themselves victuals. And Jesus said unto them, they need not depart. Give ye them to eat. And they said unto him, we have here but five loaves and two fishes. And he said, bring them hither unto me. And he commanded the multitude to sit down on the grass. And he took the five loaves and the two fishes. And looking up to heaven, he blessed and he brake. And he gave the loaves to his disciples and his disciples to the multitude. And they did all eat and were filled. And they took up of the fragments that remained 12 basketfuls. And they that had eaten were about 5,000 men besides women and children. Father, in the name of Jesus, anoint every ear to hear, every mind to perceive, and every heart to believe. And we declare it done in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen. amen. Now, some good stuff. You can be seated. Here we go. Jesus is in a desert place. Everybody say it again, a desert place. We're always, I think we're too often looking for the idealistic circumstances that everything's perfect and everything's well watered and everything's well attended to and everything's just the way it ought to be. And in those perfect circumstances, we're thinking that that's where more will come. Really, God operates in your life better when he is operating from a place that you recognize that if it's going to happen, it's got to miraculously happen. Have any of you ever dwelt in a desert place? Come on. I said, have any of you ever dwelt in a desert place? What did the psalmist say in the 23rd Psalm? He said, thou prepares a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anoints my head with oil, my cup runneth over. 
Now, if we look at that sequentially, we understand. First of all, God's saying he's prepared. Let's back it up a little. Let me, let me just, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me into the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Then it, then it segues, and yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou prepares a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anoints my head with oil. My cup runneth over. So that means ultimately when you look at this, you walk me through the valley in the shadow of death and I'm not going to fear any evil because you are with me. Your authority comforts me. Your weaponry comforts me. Then you prepare a table and you don't wait till all my enemies are gone. You prepare a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Then you anoint my head with oil and then I have more. My cup runneth over. Isn't it just like God that no matter where you're at or what you're doing or what kind of opposition comes against you, somehow, some way, God wants to put you into a position of overflow. He didn't say, I just feel your cup. He said, your cup will run over. So when, what's all happening here? He anoints the head with oil. He said, in the presence of your enemy, I'm going to feed you. If you're walking through the valley in the shadow of death, you're not going to fear any evil because I'm not leaving you nor forsaking you. And my authority and my power and my weaponry is with you. And where does it all end up? It ends up with you in an overflow. But it doesn't necessarily start that you're in a great place. I don't think the valley of the shadow of death, whatever the interpretations are to that, the, they talked about a literal valley in shadow of death, a place that, the, that the, the, it was so narrow that when a shepherd would try to lead the flock through it, it was real uh, very easy for the sheep to fall off over the cliff. And some people just say, well, it's just the discussion of the valley and the shadow of death, of death and of tragedy. Whatever the interpretation is, it doesn't sound like a good place. It's not a place I want to build a condominium. But what it boils down to, God said, yea, though you walk through that, I'm not going to leave you. I'm not going to forsake you. My authority is going to be with you. And then maybe you move right out of walking through the valley of the shadow of death and fearing no evil because he's with you. Then he prepares a table before you in the presence of every devil in hell. Then he anoints your head with oil. And where do you end up? You end up with more. But maybe you just went through the valley in the shadow of death. Maybe you just sat down to a meal he prepared for you in the presence of it. Some of the greatest revelations I have ever gotten have not come in the easy times. They've come in times of hell and they've come in times of battle and they've come in times of betrayal and they've come in times that people were lying and were being abusive toward me or toward the ministry or toward my family. But I've got news for you. Whenever you're standing in that place, get ready ready for something. He is going to prepare a table before you. Then he is going to anoint your head and you're going to end up in an overflow. Everybody say more. Now Jesus has the people in a desert place. You know, why on earth? There were plenty of places he could have gone. 
Why has he got to take him out into a desert place? And I think it said they, they, three days. And so he said, we got to get, get these people moving because, Lord, you know, you always got your people helping you out, trying to keep everything straight at his advisory committee. Uh, his board of directors, you know, they're telling him, uh, we got to let them go now because they'll faint in the journey. Uh, there's not enough food out here. And, and the Lord says, well, let's feed them right here. Let's feed them right here. They said, well, we, all we have here is uh, five loaves and some fish. And the Lord said, bring them to me. Now, I, I want you to hear me on this. The Lord doesn't have to change your environment to give you more. All he's got to do is get you to sit down and let him be God. Said, have everybody sit down. Bring me what we've got to work with and I'm going to bless what we have to work with. Have you ever heard that uh, declaration and I, I know a lot of different preachers have said, said if it doesn't meet your need, it's your seed. And so the Lord said, what do I have to work with? What's the seed I've got to work with? What can I put in my hands and believe my father to do the impossible with? And all they had was, I believe in this account, five loaves and two fishes. So he, they brought them to him and he blessed them. He blessed them. Now people are probably just thinking, well, God is great, God is good, God, we thank you for the food, or rub-a-dub-dub, bring on the grub, yay, God, something like that. I have grandchildren, they have all sorts of prayers. I don't think that that's what happened. Because in blessing, I will bless thee. I believe that when the prophet stood in a boneyard, and the bones were scattered, God said to him, can these bones live? And he said, Lord God, thou knowest. He said, what do you want me to do in essence? He said, prophesy to the bones. And you know the rest of the mechanic prophesied. There was a shaking, there was a coming together. I believe Jesus looked at the five loaves and two fishes and I believe he did more than just say thank you. I believe he looked at them and he blessed them. What do you mean? And I believe he looked at him and he says, I want you loaves and fishes to know that God has a purpose for you, that my father has a plan for you, that you have a destiny to fulfill. And it's not like other loaves and other fishes. You're getting ready to experience the supernatural creative power of Elohim that created the heavens and the earth. I believe he looked at those fishes and said, you think all you were created to do was feed one little boy or feed one person but I am declaring you'll go feed every one of these 5,000 men besides the women and the children and it doesn't matter that it's a desert it doesn't matter that it hasn't rained it doesn't matter that anything around about us speaks of anything that's fertile or productive all that matters is that God is with us and if God God is with us uh, that in the desert place uh, I'm going to make something out of virtually nothing. Oh, come on and help me just a little bit tonight. So Jesus speaks, I believe he spoke 
creatively into the loaves and fishes. And then they supernaturally multiplied. And as they multiplied, you know the story, they distributed them. And everyone ate, and everyone was filled, and everyone was satisfied. But you gotta catch something here. When it was all said and done, is there an offering bucket or is there anything around here like a bucket, a container? Please don't send out to the dominoes for it or anything. Just get one for me. So the Lord gets done. And I probably told you this before, but I think it's, I just think it's, he's got all these people. This could have been the coolest miracle in the Bible. Could have been. But the Lord blew it. Say, what do you mean? Because I want you to think about this. God has just multiplied loaves and fishes, enough to feed 5,000 men besides women and children. And everyone ate all that they wanted to eat and were filled. But this could have been really cool. Come here. You, come here. Sit down. You are the last one. The basket is going to go by. And so they bring the basket to you. And you eat till you're satisfied. Come on, keep going. Come on. Come on. I'm, I'm, yeah, there you go. Man. You're just eating and you're going. No, I mean, it's 4th of July barbecue time, brother. I mean, it's ribs and burgers and hot dogs. And you haven't eaten in three days. It's hot. You in the desert. You've been wanting to eat. You've been nudging your wife and say, we need to call Domino's. Or we need to drive through Chick-fil-A or something. And you just eat until you're full. Is that all he eats when he wants to get full? No, come on, brother. I mean, I'm telling you, it's time to eat. It's time to chow down. Go get. Now, the coolest miracle would have been that after he got done and he was the last person, there was nothing left. Everybody go, whoo, Shandai. Jesus knew exactly how many crumbs and how many pieces of, oh, glory to God. He's the God of just enough, but that's not the God that he is. He is not the God of just enough because when it was all said and done, Bubba here ate everything he wanted to eat. He was full. He was burping full. He was like, oh, Lord, excuse me. But we looked down and there were 12 basketfuls left over because here we are in the desert place here we are with nothing to work with here we are with an exhausted hungry 5,000 men besides women and children and when the Lord gets done with it he still had more oh you can shout better than that Lord that was a golf clap right there now, what am I getting at? God didn't need your circumstance to be idealistic. He was in a totally unidealistic circumstance. He was in a situation that he had virtually nothing to work with and the seed that he had wasn't big enough to meet the need. He didn't have tens of thousands of pounds of fish. He didn't have the drought of fish like Peter caught with the one miracle when it nearly sank both the fishing. He didn't have any of that. He didn't have the bakery right next door just cranking out. No, he had five 
loaves and a couple fish. And he was in a desert. But the truth of the matter is, the word of God is nigh thee in your mouth. And the Lord looked at that nothing that he had to work with. And I believe he began to speak and prophesy to the loaves and to the fishes. And it didn't matter that it was a desert. And your desert doesn't matter to God. You're trying to tell God, God, you can't do this or you can't do that. Uh, The economy isn't good. The person I voted for didn't get elected. Uh, Lord, I live in a small town. The world is, and the Lord said, I don't care about your desert. What I care about is that you believe uh, that when you declare a thing, uh, that I can make something out of nothing in your desert. Your hard place is exactly what God's looking for. You still with me? I'm gonna read a few scriptures to you very quickly. I just wanna get some things into your spirit. Psalm 34, 19. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. Then the 1 Corinthians 10, 13. There hath no temptation or trial taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful. 1 Peter 4, 12 and 13, Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you as though some strange thing happened unto you. When you have a battle, it isn't some strange thing. It's a normal occurrence. The devil hates you. And if he doesn't hate you, it means you're so lukewarm you make no impact one way or the other. The fiery trial which is to try you as though some strange thing happens unto you, but rejoice. I mean, when you are hitting the battleground, it's time to rejoice. When you are hitting the battleground, it's time to throw up your hands and say, but God is faithful. When you hit the battleground, you have to say, many are the afflictions of the righteous, but God shall deliver me out of all of it. If the devil comes at my left hand, he will deliver me. If he comes at my right hand, he will deliver me. If he comes from behind or in front of me, my God will deliver me out of every test, every trial every affliction somebody needs to start praising God 2 Corinthians 4 17 and 18 for our light affliction which is but for a moment worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory we're always talking about I want more of the presence I want more anointing Oh, I want to feel more of the power of God. Well, you understand something when you study glory. Glory has a weight. I heard Bishop Jake say this one time. He said, we, we have battles and we have trials and those things have weight, but glory has a weight. Oh, I'm going to say something to you. You're not going to like it. But if you're going to bear the weight of glory, if you're going to lift heavier weight, you got to work your way up to it. Are you with me? So if if you're going to bench press 300, you don't put 300 pounds on the bar. You work up to it. And how do you work up to a greater weight of glory? I think you need some caffeine. For our light affliction which is but for a moment. 
worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Now stop and think about something. You deal with the affliction, the test, the trial, which God says is but for a moment. But what's it doing? It's giving you the ability to carry a greater anointing. A greater weight of glory. And what's glory? But it's the manifested power of God. So now you walk through the battle. But what has the battle done? The battle has strengthened you to where you can carry more. I'm not expecting too many amens on this because what you want to do is have somebody just rub a little oil on your head and say, Shondi, and there you are. You're the next Oral Roberts. But I'm telling you, you study the life of Oral Roberts, you will realize something, that he bore the afflictions for a moment and then he bore a greater weight of glory. And every great man of God that has ever accomplished anything for the kingdom, you will see the affliction and then you will see the glory. You will see affliction and then you will see the glory. You will see affliction and you will see the glory. Now, a lot of preachers want to tell you, if you have any affliction, it means you don't have faith. I wish you'd tell the apostle Paul that. I wish you'd give that notice and that memo to the apostle Peter or John when they were boiling him in oil. A few things like that. No, the affliction, think about this. They dropped John. I'm just going tonight so just excuse me ain't nobody here but us tonight they dropped him in a pot of boiling oil and they couldn't kill him do you realize that's when they put him on to Patmos you know what happened on Patmos he wrote Revelation and he wrote the gospel of John somebody needs to hear me they tried to kill him but they couldn't kill him and the affliction was for a moment he should have died in that boiling oil but he couldn't die and they knew they couldn't kill him so they just exiled him everybody say they stopped his ministry what he wrote in the gospel of John has impacted literally billions of people. And what he wrote in the book of Revelation has impacted billions of people. What did he do? From that isolation, he did more, and then he did more, and then he did more. But where did it all start? It started in the battle. It started in the affliction. And then he got moved and everybody said, oh, now we shut him down. But they couldn't shut him down because now... Now he could bear a greater weight of glory. Said, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day. And he had a vision of the resurrected Christ. Why? Because the affliction was for a moment. But then what happened? The glory came down on him. And there was a greater weight of glory that was perpetuated from the hard place. Somebody better help me. Okay, stay with me, stay with me. Romans 8, 18. For I reckon the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. So from the hard place, from the sufferings, from the betrayals, from the tears, from the losses, 
from the battles, the glory, that it's like God just opens up, excuse me, your insides and said, now I'm going to manifest a river of life that's going to pour out of you and heal the sick and deliver the bound and bless your family and restore the prodigal and save the sinner. Where did it all start? It started in the suffering place. But from the suffering place, from the hard place came more. From the hard place came more. From the hard place came a river. From the hard place came glory. From the hard place came gifts. From the hard place came healings. From the hard place came the manifested nature and presence of God. It didn't come from the easy place. It came from the desert place. Oh, help me tonight. The thief cometh, John 10, 10, the thief cometh but to steal and to kill and to destroy. Now we try to fragment this verse. Okay, the thief cometh but to steal and to kill and destroy. I am come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. No, 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 no. Just, it says it this way. The thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy, I am come that they might have life and have it more abundantly. So the thief's coming at you, killing, stealing, and destroying. But I'm coming. So what's happening? You're going to experience some theft. You're going to experience some killing. You're going to experience some destroying. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Maybe I'm just preaching to myself. If I am, I'm blessing myself. I'll give myself a good offering tonight. Said, I'm come that you might have life and have an overflowing life. What's God trying to say to us? Okay, the devil's gonna be the devil, but I'm gonna be God. And so whenever you see the devil be the devil, just know God's gonna be God. No, you didn't hear me. I say, whenever you see the devil be the devil, just know God's gonna be God. Sin shall abound. How many understand? Sin will abound. But whenever you see sin abound, get ready for grace to abound at a higher level. So the devil's going to be the devil. But it's like this. He will throw his best shot at you. But after he's done throwing the best shot at you, you look at him and say, I have done all I can do to stand, and I'm still standing. You can't knock me out, because greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. More. See, we want, we want more to be released, but we don't want anything. We don't want to go through anything. We don't want to deal anything. And we don't voluntarily, you know, say, take me into the wilderness for 40 days to be tested of the devil. Oh, Lord, it's Monday. Uh, could you just let all hell break loose today? Lord, my prayer is that, that, that the gates of hell, uh, just, just, just open them wide, God. No, we don't. Well, we got to understand it's nothing unusual when we go through battles and trials. But God said in the middle of it all, rejoice. You make the devil crazy when you praise God in the fire. So here's Job. Here's our classic example of some godly guy doing everything right and then everything goes wrong. I don't like to read Job. 
I just don't enjoy the book of Job. You know, because, you know, here's Job. God's bragging on him. Have you considered my servant Job? There's none like him. He fears me and he hates evil. The devil says, yeah, well, that's because he got a hedge around him. Take the hedge around him down and we'll see. I'll make him curse God and die. I'll take the hedge down. And you can touch whatever you wish, but you cannot take his life. I'm thinking, I hope God never brags on me. This whole thing started with God just boasting about Job like you boast about your grandkids and stuff. And God starts this whole thing up. Look at him. Look at him. Look at Job. Look how great he is. He's a number one draft pick. He's a Heisman winner. He's great. He's mighty. He fears me. He's Jews evil. Said, you just let me at him without that hedge and I'll show you he's not any better than any of the rest of these folks. So Job goes through for about, it's a lot of diversity of opinion, but most theologians agree about six months of hell on earth. Now Job, Job doesn't have any money now. No family. His flocks are gone, his cattle's gone, his influence is gone. And his comforters come, Mo, Larry, and Curly. And they're all trying to figure out what he did wrong. How he sinned. You know, there's, there's got to be something wrong here. You, you, we've got to figure out what you did wrong. We've got to figure out how you failed God. There's a judgment of God on you. Job, no matter what happened, he wouldn't curse God. No matter what happened. He wouldn't betray his relationship with God. He just said things like, the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. So Job goes through all this. and Now Job's body has boils all over it. He has no money. Uh, nobody's for him. All the people that used to come to dinner and uh, hang out with him and everybody wanted to be Job's friend because when you have money, people like you. When you're a man of influence, people want to be close to you. Well, now nobody wants to even get near him. And then in the 42nd chapter, it said, And the Lord turned the captivity of Job when he prayed for his friends. And also the Lord gave Job twice as much as he had before. Just look at it this way. God flipped it. He just flipped it. He said, Now I'm going to give you double for your trouble going to give you double for your trouble. I know you've been through a desert. I know you've been through hell on earth. I know you have suffered loss. I know you have been belittled and betrayed by your friends. I, uh, there isn't anything else bad that could have happened to you. Jesus goes into the wilderness, the Bible said, for the purpose of waging war with the enemy, being tested of the enemy. 
And we all know that what comprises the human nature is the lust of the eye, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. And Satan comes at him, attacking him, trying to get him to uh, be tempted and fail God with the lust of the eye, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. And in all three ways, Jesus came out victorious. And after it was all over, after he'd fasted, after the battle was over, the angels came and ministered to him, and he came out of the wilderness with more. Oh, oh, read it in the fourth chapter of Luke. You begin to understand there was, a, there was a power on him when he came out of the wilderness and all of a sudden the multitude started gathering to him. And that's right when he walks into the synagogue and he opens up to the book of Isaiah and he reads the great scripture that says the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me. And when he declares that, he reads it to him and he said, today this scripture is fulfilled in your ears. And there was something on him that wasn't on him before. But what got on him in the Holy Ghost didn't get on him in the green fertile valley. It got on him in the wilderness and he had more when he left the wilderness than he had before he went in. David, the 30th chapter of 1 Samuel, I'm finishing. 30th chapter of 1 Samuel. David and his men come back and Ziglag is burned with fire. Their wives are gone. Their kids are gone. The gold, the silver, the flocks are gone. And these warriors, these hardened fighters, the Bible said, wept until they had no more power to weep. Then they spake of stoning David. Grief will make you crazy. Did you hear me? Trauma will make you get on a side of the fence that you were never on before. And these men that had stood by David's side, blood splattered on them as the enemies were being defeated. These men that uh, were injured in warfares and in battles side by side with David, they started to conspire against him to kill him. Now David has lost more than the rest of them. Because now he's lost all his friends. He's lost his comrades. And he goes into a dark, isolated place. I believe he went into a cave and he put his back against a wall. And the Bible said David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. Uh, just let me bridge to tomorrow night. In the blessing is your blessing. Oh, I, I don't have any theological proof to what happened there, and I have preached about this so many times, but I never tire of preaching about it. But I see David with his back up against the wall. No, no spouse to talk to. No kids to look toward his future. No money in the checking account. Are you with me? And now he doesn't have any friends. And those that he thought were his friends were wanting to kill him. And it said he encouraged or he strengthened himself in the Lord his God. Say, well, how did he do it? Say, well, David is a praiser. I'm sure he put in a Hillsong CD or something. And, and maybe he did. Maybe, and maybe not a Hillsong CD. If it was Pastor Dosick, he wouldn't have known how to work it. So, uh, but, but the thing is, in the blessing is the blessing. And I know David may have just sit there and, 
and sang, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is in me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all my iniquities and heals all my diseases. And maybe he just sang unto the Lord, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. I lift up mine eyes into the hills from whence cometh my help. My help cometh from the Lord, which made the heavens and the earth. David was a singer. He was a psalmist. He was a praiser. And in praise is presence. And I believe the presence came down. And when the presence comes, the voice comes. And in the blessing is the blessing. And I know somewhere in that dark, isolated place, he heard God say it again. You're the next king of Israel. Well, if they kill me, I can't be the next king of Israel. You're right. But I say... You're the next king of Israel. Oh, I know where I'm going. You don't, but I'm getting excited because I already know where I'm heading. And so God start in the blessing is the blessing. But where did the blessing get released again? See, David got the blessing in an isolated place. Nobody even wanted him to come to the lineup with Samuel. But after they brought him out from the shepherd's field, then Samuel says, I've rejected Saul. You're the king. You're the next king. Now David is isolated again. He's in a cave probably. He's in a dark place. He has nothing, nothing. Do you hear me? Nothing. Everything is gone. But he encouraged himself because in your blessings is the blessing. The blessing is the key. So he hears God say, you're the next king of Israel. I'm going to die. No, you're not because you're the next king of Israel. No, no, they're going to kill me. No, you're the next king of Israel. You know, and every time you hear God speak again, you ever wonder why God has to repeat himself? Because he's got to argue his way through all your reasons why he can't do what he specializes in doing and what he specializes in is the impossible but every time God speaks you feel strength come into your legs you feel energy start coming back into your being and David started standing up he said I'm the next king of Israel they think they can they can't kill me I'm the next king of Israel he walks out he goes to Abathar give me the ephod and they're looking at him like what's up with David ah bless God I'm going to inquire of the Lord. Y'all shut up and dry your tears, you bunch of wusses. I'm going to get a breakthrough. I'm going to get an answer. You got a bunch of sissies. I'm a man of God. I'm the next king of Israel. And God says, pursue and overtake and recover all. So here David is in the middle of his nothing. And from his nothing comes the voice of God. And the voice of God says, pursue him. And if you pursue, you'll overtake them. And without fail, get it all back. Stay with me. I'm almost done. So now here's David. And from his worst place that he'd ever been in, God blesses him so much. He gets it all back. 
Oh, God will restore you. He gets it all back. But then we realize that he sent portions of the spoil and blessed 13 of the elders of Judah. God blessed him with so much more. He was doing okay before this. But he blessed him so much that now he's able to bless 13 of the elders of Judah. The devil hit him. The devil stripped him. The devil took everything he had. But by the time God got done with him, he had more. No, you didn't hear me. I said by the time God done with it, God got done with it, he had more. You're not listening to me. I said by the time God God got done with this, he had more. Oh my God. I, I preached about this before. Give me 13 guys. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Praise come here, Pastor Ross. Ten. Eleven. 12, 13, get up here fast, 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 fast. You're older, but you're not that slow. Praise God. Turn around. Now, David is so blessed. David is so blessed. Excuse me. He's reaching into his pocket and he's saying, I got to tell you something. The devil took everything I had, but by the time God got done, he blessed me so much. I just wanted to, oh, here, here, go, go to Hawaii and take a vacation. Here, buy yourself a new car. Here, build that building you've been wanting to build. Uh, here, go take care, put your kids through college. Uh, here, I want to give you that. You want a larger business. Uh, he started handing out financial blessings uh, and financial miracles uh, and financial release. Uh, the 13th of the elders of Judah, stay with me. Where was he at? He had nothing. He had a dry place. He had a desert place. He had a hard place. He had a betrayed place. He had a defeated place. He was out and had nothing. But in a moment and in a twinkling of an eye, God didn't just restore him. God gave him more. Somebody give God a praise. Something happens in the midst of all this stuff, people. You hear me? I said something happens in the midst of all this stuff we deal with. All I got to work with is five loaves and two fishes. Well, do what Ezekiel did. Bless them. Oh, but God. Uh, I got boils all over my body. All the family's gone. The houses are gone. The flocks are gone. It's all gone. I'm in the worst place of my life. God, I just want you to do something. Pray for these idiots that aggravated you so much. Just pray for them. Just pray for them. And like that, God turned it. Say, well, some of the trouble I'm in right now is because I've done some stupid stuff. Any of you ever do anything stupid? I don't know how to... You know, we just down home folk here. How many of you have ever done some things that lacked maybe the, the, the wisdom of God? And the result of that, you went through some real losses. 
That's where Israel was at in the book of Joel. The devouring army, God said, I sent them to you. The caterpillar, the canker worm, the palmer worm. You've had all this devastation, all this nothingness that you're in now. But I'm going to let you know that even though you were stupid, even though you didn't do it the way I told you to do it, even though you didn't honor me the way you should have, I'm getting ready to let the former and the latter rain fall. I'm getting ready to let your vats overflow. I'm getting ready to restore the years to you. You know why? Because I'm not just the God of just enough. I'm the God of more. And I want my people, if you're my people, I want you overflowing. Do you ever stop and think, isn't it wonderful when you can look at your kids and say, man, look how successful my kids are. And I'm not going to pick on anybody, but I, I think you would much rather say, well, there, there, there's little Bo Cephas over here. Look how good his business is doing. Little Bo Cephas, uh, you remember when he was just a little boy? <laughs> you know, he's just a little kid. Well, now, now he owns his own business and he lives over there in that beautiful house. He has a lovely wife and family and drives a nice car. And you say, oh, yeah, little Bo Cephas. <laughs> he, he's so blessed. As opposed to saying, well, uh, here's a little Bubba over here. Yeah, he's still living in the basement. Uh, we love him. We don't know what to do with him. You know, he can't hold a job. You know, and uh, would you rather be bragging and saying, I'm so proud of my son or so proud of my daughter? How do you think God is? You think God looks down at us and says, oh, uh, here's all my people. Oh, the, the system of the world is overflowing and prospering, millionaires and billionaires and business owners and people flying on their private jets. And, well, here's my wonderful people. Oh, bless God, I know it's just macaroni and cheese for the next six years. Oh, praise God, I'm sorry you can't afford a car. Gotta walk every, no, 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 no. God doesn't get any pleasure out of that because he's not a God of less than enough. He's not a God of just enough. He's a God of more. And when you're going through your hard places understand something God doesn't want you to stay in the hard place he will use the hard place to strengthen you to bear a greater anointing and a greater weight of glory you say well, what, what are you getting at with that when you bear a greater anointing you can remove more burdens and destroy more yokes now, let me just say this I'm quit I hear all the time I'm just really going through something. Why is it that people quit kingdom work when they're in a battle, but you don't quit your job? Don't think about this. Oh, pastor, I know I, I serve on the worship team, uh, but we're going through some things right now, and so we're just going to have to step down for a season. <laughs> Would you quit your job? Did, did you pull your kids out of the volleyball league? No, think about this. I have walked through hell and survived it because I got in the pulpit. Now, that's my call. 
You may be called to worship. You may be called to children's ministry. You may be called to serve in the church. You may be called into whatever it may be for the work of the kingdom. You know how you break through? You have to get in the anointing. Oh, we're just going through so much. We just need a season to curl up in the fetal position and watch television. No, what you need to do is push yourself into the house of God and get in the presence of God for the anointing to remove the burden and destroy the yoke. Now, I want you to hear me because I'm going somewhere with this. So you're going through a battle and instead of retreating, you start rejoicing. You go through a battle and you say, you know, devil, you made a bad mistake because my Holy Ghost biceps are getting bigger. My strength is increasing. Now I'm going to be able to bear a greater weight of anointing. And if I can bear a greater anointing, I will cast out more devils, heal more sick bodies, see more prodigals restored, see more sinners saved, see greater breakthroughs. You know what it all comes out of? It comes out of that place of the wilderness. It comes out of that place of betrayal. It comes out of that place of the battle because in the blessing is the blessing. And when you're in the middle of that place, look up to the heavens and hear the voice of God remind you and say you are who God says you are. You rise up and say devil you can't strip me of my identity. You can't Stop me from being who I'm called to be because in the hard place comes more. Give God one more good praise. Power of God's going to hit some of you tonight. The anointing is going to touch some of you tonight in a unique and in a supernatural way. And I, I want you to hear me. As I was preparing for this meeting, like I said, this whole series on more has several multiple layers to it. There's, there's 10, 10 discs in that series. I said, God, what do you want me to speak to this church? I've only got three nights. He said, tell them. The problem is not believing for more, it's settling for less, one. Tell them from the hard place is gonna come overflow. And tell them, that there is a commanded blessing on their life. Tomorrow night, I'll talk to you about the commanded blessing. I'll talk to you about in the blessing is the blessing. But I want you to know tonight, you are here tonight. You made a decision to be in the house of God tonight. And God knew you were gonna be here. And I could have rearranged these messages and I could have preached this tomorrow night or I could have opened the revival with this. But God said, tonight, preach to them that out of the hard place comes the overflow. And you that are here tonight, there's some hard places. There are some wilderness places. There are some battlegrounds that you may be right in the middle of tonight. But God's getting ready to put a fresh touch. He's getting ready tonight to anoint your head with oil and cause your cup to run over. Are you with me? I want to ask you a question. How many of you right now, today, are dealing with either a wilderness place, a hard place, a place of loss? How many know what I'm talking about? I'm not talking about something that happened 20 years ago, but right now, you're in the middle of something that you need the intervention of God. If I'm talking to you, get up out of your seat and meet me down here right now. And can I get some oil? 
Do you have any oil? Not, not for your engine. I want olive oil, not 1040. Now, I want you to get down here because power of the Holy Ghost getting ready to set. You know, some of you think I'm just guessing out here. Look at how many people are coming down the front of this building. Now, if, you, if you're not, thank God. If you're not, thank God. I want you to help me tonight. And if you need somebody else to help you, uh, but I, I want you to, I do it this way. I make the sign of the cross with oil. And, and help me, son. Uh, anoint your hands with oil. And you do the same thing. Get some oil on your hands. And you get some oil on your hands. And I want you to anoint, divide this crowd in half. And I want you to start with the sign of the cross, anointing every forehead with oil that's standing down here. Will you do that? Praise God. All right, now, while they're doing this, what did, they, what did David say? He said, yea, though I walk through the valley and the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. And what's going to happen, ladies and gentlemen, is then the Lord's going to take you a little bit further on the journey. I'm going to prepare a table before you in the presence of your enemies. I'm going to anoint your head with oil. And what's going to get released here tonight is I believe your cups are going to begin to overflow. And there's going to be an overflowing, saith the Lord, to you. There's going to start coming out of your belly like a river. Some of you have got to open up again. I mean, God is a verbal God. A lot of you just kind of sit around and think about things. Sometimes you have got to just open your mouth and start speaking in other tongues. The Bible tells us when we speak with an unknown tongue, we bring edification to ourselves. Now, those that are anti-tongues, they always say, well, see, it's not that important. No, it has its proper place. You speak in other tongues, you build yourself up. And a lot of God's people, they wait till they feel a hot flash or a cold chill. No, in your wilderness, in your battleground, in your low place, that's when you throw your hands up and start praying in the Holy Ghost. And I believe God, and that's why praise is verbal. That's why praise should be make a joyful noise unto the Lord because faith cometh by hearing. And when you can hear the praise, don't just read the word, declare the word. Did you hear me? Open your Bible and read it out loud. I don't, I don't, some of you looking at me funny. Open your Bible and read John 10, 10. The thief cometh but to kill, steal, and destroy. But I come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. Read that. Faith cometh by hearing. Read the eighth chapter of Romans. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. They have not received the spirit of fear and get into bondage, but they received the spirit of adoption, whereby they cry, Abba, Father. And the Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God, and if children, then heirs. Heirs, heirs of God, joint heirs with Christ, if so that we suffer with him. We will also be glorified together for I reckon that the sufferings of the present time are in no way worthy to be compared with the glory of God that shall be revealed in us. Speak that to yourself. Because what you'll begin to do, you'll begin to declare it. Start declaring the things that you've heard spoken over your life prophetically. God, that, that's, not, that's not a fortune cookie. Oh, isn't that cute? And throw it in the middle of the table and forget about it. No, what God said to you, that's a rhema into your life. You've got to keep reminding yourself. 
If there, there isn't a month that goes by that I don't verbally declare what God spoke to my mother and my father. He said, the child that you're bearing will be a male child and will be a prophet unto my people. I got to remind myself with all hell's breaking loose that there's a blessing in the blessing. And the blessing is the God said over my life. I want you to lift your hands. I will start laying hands on people tonight and I'm going to start seeing God bring breakthroughs and release. God wants to take you from the hard place. He wants to take you from the wilderness. He wants to take you from the loss and he wants to give you supernatural strength and as he gives you that strength you'll bear a greater weight of glory and as you bear that greater yokes will break and greater blessings are going to come. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Nikki and the team give you a little help back there tonight and lift your hands up. I would start praising God. If you're filled with the Holy Ghost with the evidence of tongues I want you to start praying in the Holy Ghost right now. Start praying in the Spirit right now. Glory to God. You got me covered. Glory to God.
hands this way. More. I see you like you're pushing on a heavy wall and it doesn't want to move. I see you like, God, how am I going to deal with all that I've got to deal with? God said more. The light affliction, which is but for a moment, will result in a greater weight of glory. And I'm telling you, God's getting ready to pour his presence on you. He's getting ready to restore the joy of your salvation. He's getting ready to activate you back into the place of your first love in the spirit. And God said the spirit of heaviness is coming off of you in the name of Jesus of Nazareth. More over your life right now. Hallelujah. I declare more of the glory and the presence of God in the name of Jesus of Nazareth. Listen to me, lady. I don't know anything about you. What your name is, where you work, where you come from. But if the enemy could have done what he wanted to do, the last place on earth you'd be tonight is in church. The old hymn said, Through many dangers, toils, and snares, I have already come. You have walked through some stuff in your life that should have killed you, but it didn't. Because God has a plan for you. But I want you to hear me tonight. God is getting ready to bring you out of the wilderness and he's getting ready to bring an overflow of blessing into your life. You have a good mind. You have a good brain. You have a diligence about you. And God said, I'm going to turn it into blessing." upon your life financially, emotionally. There's a miracle going to happen in the emotional dynamics of your being. And I saw his hand on the temples of your brow. And peace is going to start going into your mind, saith the Lord of hosts in Jesus' name. Somebody give God a praise. Somebody give God a praise. Somebody give God a praise. Lift your hands. Breathe on her, Holy Ghost. Breathe on her tonight in Jesus. So just hang in here with me. Breathe on her tonight in the name of Jesus. Touch him tonight, God. I declare what you put your hands to do will be blessed. Don't know what you do. You could be a millionaire for all I know. Oh, I see what you're putting your hands to do coming under another level of blessing. God said, come out of the place you're at and come in to a new season. Give God some praise tonight. I want you, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say this again because I want you to keep hearing this. I want you to keep hearing this up here. More. Okay, well that's what you've been preaching on. No, I want you to hear me. More. More music, more songs, more anointing. More music, more songs, more anointing. More music, more songs, more anointing. There's going to be a presence of God that is going to begin to set upon every one of you. You've got to, you, you've got to open yourselves up to what God's getting ready to do because there's a, a, there's a more level that God's wanting to activate in the church. Some of you folks I've seen, you. I think every revival I've ever preached here, 
And I thank God for your faithfulness. God said, I'm going to take every one of you off cruise control and I'm going to put you back into a manual transmission. You're going to start popping the clutch and squealing your wheels a little bit because God said there's going to be more music. Music's going to start coming out of people you never thought it would come out of. Songs are going to start coming to people that you never thought they would come. But I see a collaborative effort beginning to happen on this platform at another level. And, it, and like I said last night, I'm saying it again because I want you to hear me because I I see lyrics coming and then somebody else will get music. That I see music coming and somebody said, God's just given me this sound or this music and lyrics will come. It won't always come the same way. But I want you, I want you to hear, there is more music, there is more anointing, there is more coming onto this platform and it's going to activate a glory in the house and there's going to be a fresh spirit of worship that's going to sweep through the whole church and it's coming and it's, excuse me, it's not just going to be younger people, it's going to be all generations, it's going to be all races, it's going to be all sizes and shapes, excuse me, it's going to be multifaceted, what God's going to begin to do. And some of you, I'm going to tell you, some of you know God has been dealing with you to be part Part of the team and you're always telling yourself you can't do it because you're so busy. I think sometimes we need to prune some things out of our life to be able to do something for the kingdom of God and that's all I'm going to say about that. Give God one more good praise. Glory to God. Glory to God. Now I said give him a good praise. Hallelujah. 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 Now, you can be seated for just a second. I'm trying to respect your, your work schedules, your life, your time. So I'm trying to get you out at a respectable hour and we should be out of here by about nine o'clock. And for me, that's really good. But I do respect the fact some of you get up before God does. And... Uh, <laughs> for the sun rises anyway. But the opening night of a meeting is always wonderful. It's good to get reconnected, reacquainted. But last night I was kind of plowing, uh, I was kind of plowing with this word, not in a hard way, people are very receptive. But how many feel another level of the presence of God sweeping in. Now you need to use your social media for something constructive. Start telling everybody what God did in this house tonight. How powerful. Some nights I'm not some nights I'm not walking the aisles and calling people out and prophesying over everybody. But I'm prophesying to every one of you when I preach. And you can grab this thing in the blessing. Oh man, you better get this tomorrow night. In the blessing is the blessing. In the blessing is the blessing. It's what brought David out of the cave and caused him to recover all and caused him to have so much he could bless 13 of the elders of Judah. In the blessing is the blessing. Now I'm gonna, I'm gonna challenge you tonight in an aspect of giving. And I feel a powerful anointing on me right now. And I don't normally do this but usually when I ask people to come forward, I just, I, I do a corporate kind of a prayer over them. But I'm going to take everybody that moves with this by the hand 
because I believe you're coming out and you're moving into a greater season in your life and I'm believing God it's going to happen before this year's over I'm believing for new beginnings I am believing for some new beginnings I'm believing for some fresh starts I'm believing for some comebacks are you hearing me? some of you just need a good old fashioned comeback and instead of giving up you just need to rise up because in the blessing in the God said is the blessing but I felt strongly tonight I was in prayer in my room and I felt strongly tonight that God speak to me that some of you that are walking or many of you which maybe all of you that are walking through some of these hard places that it was quick for you to come down and uh, stand with me at the front there's some of you that are going to put a seed to this you're going to put a seed to this and old Robertson one of my lunches I had with him he said Tim teach your people to always aim the seed and I'm sure he shared that with a lot of different people but I thank God he shared it with me because I heard him to aim the seed and I want you in what I'm going to challenge some of you to do tonight to aim the seed and say, God, from the hard place, I'm going to overflow. To overflow. God restored David, but he didn't just restore him. He restored him so much he could bless 13 elders of Judah. From his hardest place, from his place of total devastation, God put so much in his hands that he could bless 13 other men substantially. I believe there's people all over this house tonight that either tonight or tomorrow night you're going to sow an $88 seed. Eight is the number of new beginnings, the number of fresh starts. It's the number that I believe God is speaking to some of you that have been in a hard place, been in a wilderness place. And I want to take you by the hand when you take, uh, if you have envelopes, I want you to put an envelope in their hand even if they don't want one. Uh, I want to take you by the hand because I'm believing God in the next 150 something days God's going to begin to do some miraculous things if you're one of those people I want you to get out of your seat and I want you to meet me down here right now and I'm not going to take five minutes with this because I have emptied myself out to you tonight and I want you to get down here and I want you when you sow this I want you to aim it I want you to aim it. Just get down here with me. I want you to aim it. I want you to believe God. Some of you are going to do this. You can just do it. Some of you, $88 is just doing it. But others of you, this may be a sacrifice. And a lot of times people don't give because it is a sacrifice. But I'm telling you, if it's not big enough to meet your need, you need to activate it as a seed and start believing God for some breakthroughs. We can't just give when we're in an overflow. We sometimes have to give and say, I'm going to say no to this to believe God to do the impossible. I'm going to take about 15, 20 more seconds. You, become, you don't have to have the offering ready. You don't have to have the check written out. If you want to bring it back tomorrow night, that's great. Just bring it back. Just don't make a vow and break it. Now, I want everybody, my God, Pastor, I feel so strong that there is some. there are some miracles that are getting ready to happen in some of your people 
that have really been walking through some of their hardest times. And, and I told you I was to take a minute, and I'm, I'm tarrying here just a second because I think there's some people you're kind of wrestling with this, and it's, I don't know, I just, I'm just going to wait for about 30 seconds because I don't want anybody to miss something that God wants you to do. Not every seed that you give will you give out of overflow, but you will give and create overflow. Glory to God. I'm just taking another moment. Just, just taking another moment. I'm going to say it again. Not every seed you give will you give out of your overflow, but your seed will create you the overflow. It will open the window. I have preached here for 32 years, and I love this church. This church has helped me at times when I, I was just backed in a corner, didn't know which way to go, which way to turn. It was your love and your generosity that made a huge difference. And I'm telling you tonight, I don't preach sermons to you that don't first preach to me. And I am believing God between now and the end of this year that I'm going to come out of some hard places. I'm preaching to myself. Man, I lose some faith in me tonight. I about blessed myself. I almost laid hands on myself and fell out under the power. But I want you to get it. Son, how old are you? 23. I can't remember that far back. 23. You guys own a home? You do. Tomorrow night, I want people all over this building. I want you and your, your I presume this is your wife. You're holding real tight on to her, so I, but I want you and your bride here to talk to each other. Say, what are we believing for in the realm of more? And I want you to really start coming into agreement. Tomorrow night, we're going to really believe God that in the blessing is the blessing. You two have a great calling on your life. God's going to use you with your generation. And this church is going to be blessed because of the anointing that is on both of you. Now, you're kind of quiet, except with him. She, she can well speak her mind in private. And you need to thank God for that. Because iron sharpens iron. And you're going to lead. And you're going to see God do more. And then you're going to see him do more. And then you're going to see him do more. And as you're seeing him do it, I want you to understand something. The two of you are going to have a great unity in faith. And you're going to move mountains. And you're going to see God loose things into your life ahead of schedule. Ahead of schedule. When it, he's going to, not that you go crazy and do silly things business-wise, but you're just going to see the blessing of God overflow your life and say, oh, we should have been 35 when this happens instead of 26. God's going to do it. And you will stay true with your tithing. Stay true with offerings. You will watch God open up the windows and he will overflow you. I want everybody, I, I'm not going to take a long time with this. Now I want the rest of you tonight, I want the rest of you tonight to prepare an offering. I want the rest of you tonight to prepare an offering. And I want you to sow a seed and I want you to aim it. And when you aim it, I want you to believe God that you're coming out of the hard place into the overflow. All right? You, some of you, God's going to prove himself to you.
Some of you is going to prove to you because it's a sacrifice. Others of you just said, I just obeyed God. I just did what God told me to do. And God will loose it. And God will work some miracles. I want everybody in the house, I want those of you that are in the audience to stretch your hands this way. Because I just, I just felt I wanted to touch this as a point of contact. God, I declare from the wilderness to the overflow. I declare from the hard place to the overflow. 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 In the name of Jesus, I rebuke the devourer and I declare the favor of God from the hard places to the overflow. From I, I'm feeling so good about what God's getting ready to do for you. Praise God. God, from the hard place to the overflow, from the hard place to the overflow, uh, will you shout real loud when God opens up the windows of heaven? Because it's going to happen. From the hard place to the overflow, from the hard place to the overflow, from the hard place to the overflow, in the name of Jesus, more than enough, more than enough, more than enough, more than enough, more than enough. From the hard place to the overflow. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Oh, read First Samuel the 30th chapter. Read it again. Read the whole chapter. Because it's going, you're going to possess it. You're going to possess it from the hard place to the overflow. From the hard place to the overflow. From the hard place to the overflow. Did I miss anybody? Somebody give God a praise. From the hard place to the overflow. In the name of Jesus. Give God a shout tonight. Give God a shout tonight. I'm going to have pastor come. Tomorrow night, I want to preach about commanded blessing. Tomorrow night, in the blessing, is the blessing. And I believe God's going to touch you. And I know many of the rest of you have offerings to give. I'm going to have Pastor come and receive that. And I wish you'd just give the Lord one more good praise tonight. I hope you were blessed.